Collegiately speaking. And we're underway. Gives the boat, plows ahead, touchdown! John Moten, there's a deep throw for Jefferson. Over the shoulder catch, touchdown! What a catch! He bubbles the football. That is picked up by the Wildcats. With a convoy, breaks out of the 40. Intercepted by the Wildcats. The Wildcats win! The Wildcats win! Unbelievable! It's Collegiately Speaking. Join David and former Northwestern quarterback Dan Person as they break down all the ins and outs of Northwestern football. Touchdown! It's all over. The Wildcats with a comeback to remember. Here's Dave and Dan. And welcome to another edition of Collegiately Speaking from WGNRadio.com. Dave Ennett, joined by former Northwestern quarterback Dan Persa. WGN's Adam Hogue covers the sidelines for us on the Northwestern broadcast. Also chiming in this week, the Wildcats coming off a really lopsided loss at Indiana Saturday. Uh, they take their losing streak into a home game this week against Purdue. The Wildcats at 0-6 in the Big Ten and one and seven overall, and never would have imagined I'd be sitting here in the first week of November, Dan, and talking about that, and talking about a team which hasn't scored a touchdown, as Pat Fitzgerald put it this week, since Kennedy was president, hasn't been quite that long, but it sure feels that way. October 5th at Nebraska, one touchdown of that game, that's the last time they hit the end zone. It's insane, and and you hit hit the nail on the head. It's it's been kind of a tough season for for a lot of a lot of a lot of fans, and especially on on offense, just watching an anemic offense try and, and kind of shoot itself in the foot or not be able to execute. But you no, know, I think you know, at the end of the day, no offense to Indiana, they're having a great year, and and you know, Coach Tom Allen's a, he's a great guy, and you root for those kids. But you know, to get pounded by Indiana um, is is tough to watch as as for a former player. I was watching with a bunch of former players, and it was it was it was hard to watch it's kind of like watching a car accident um and you know it, it wasn't just the execution but you saw kind of the wheels come off from a, an effort standpoint and i think from from us old school guys i think you know we weren't as talented as this team or, or the some of the teams in, in the last couple of years but you know we we kind of hung our hat on effort um and and kind of being try hard guys and to see that sp- kind of go away for this team is hard to watch maybe more than just a score um so who, who knows hopefully they can they can try to get build a little bit of momentum in these last couple of games i don't have a ton of confidence that's going to happen um which might be okay which might kind of set people off um and set some change into motion in the offseason well you look at uh, the game the other night and one problem they've had from the stanford game through now has been turnovers and if you go back over the last four games, their minus eight and turnover margin, all eight, uh, those are all turnovers by Northwestern. Their defense is not taking the ball away at all. So it's not like it's uh, ten turnovers and, and two right. takeaways. But um, but still, I mean, these turnovers Saturday, your first offensive play, you get a 22-yard run by your quarterback. He gets to midfield. He's... He's, he's trying to get the extra yard. You get that, but then he puts the ball on the ground. They've got a short field. And then later, fumble on the 18-yard line, give Indiana a short field once again. Those are the kinds of things that Northwestern didn't do last year and uh, that have really killed them. And they've gone, as consequently, it's a, it's a differential of 17 in turnover margin from last year to this year. They're plus 7, now they're minus 10. Uh, and certainly the win-loss record reflects that. 
Well, that's the most important thing at the end of the day is, is anybody who knows anything about football. It's, it, it's really hard to win any game that, that you don't win the turnover ratio, and mm-hmm. especially when you're losing it that dramatically. They just aren't even giving themselves a chance. Right. Uh, and I think that's, that's the frustrating thing, and, and we've talked about it before, that this has been the, the recipe for Northwestern success over the last four, four or so years has been play really good defense, score a you know, decent amount of points, and not turn the ball over and take the ball away, and they, they haven't done any of those three things and and it's led to obviously a lot of losses so you know hopefully they can they can get it going against purdue i think it's another kind of middle of the road team in in the big 10 but purdue's still fighting for for a chance to play in the bowl in a bowl game and and northwestern's not so i think you know purdue's gonna gonna be a, a tough team and and we'll see with northwestern's injuries racking up how much fight they have left in them because it, it's looking pretty dim right now and we welcome in Dave Revson, lead anchor for Big Ten Network. He's going to be in Evanston Saturday for the uh, Big Ten BTN Tailgate Show. And uh, always good to catch up with Dave, who's got his finger on the pulse of everything happening around the Big Ten Conference. Dave, appreciate your time. And uh, I mentioned you're going to be there on Saturday to see this battle between Northwestern and Purdue. Two teams, if there's a matchup, and we may see some others maybe over the last few weeks of the season, but if there's a matchup between two programs that aren't where I think most of us thought they would be going into the season, I think this one might be it. Yeah, this is probably front and center. I would say Nebraska's in that category too, Dave, and we actually were there for Nebraska-Purdue last week. And, of course, Nebraska was kind of the unofficial choice of the media to win the Big Ten West, and clearly that's not going to happen. So I'd say all three of those teams have fallen well short of where they expected to be and where their fans expected them to be. Uh, in Purdue's case, injuries, I think, early on were a huge part of the story. They lost Elijah Sindelar and Rondell Moore on the same play against Minnesota, which was uh, that's about as damaging a play, I think, as you could possibly have in the Big Ten. And then, to their credit, I mean, Jack Plummer came in and, and played pretty well. I mean, they got a really nice win last week against Nebraska, and they did it with a third-string quarterback, a walk-on from Stevenson, Aiden O'Connell, leading that game-winning drive. So as disappointing as I think things have been for Purdue, that you know they've lost not only a couple great offensive players, but they've been without Lorenzo Neal all year. Marcus Bailey is probably their either best or second-best defensive player. has been out for much of the year. They've kind of figured out a way. Uh, as your listeners are well aware, the same cannot be said uh, for the Wildcats. I, I guess I, I saw there's some more injury news coming uh, this week, and, and injuries have certainly been a part of it. But but this offense, it, it feels like, hasn't been working from the very beginning, even when this team was fully healthy. And So I guess from Northwestern's point of view, you just look to see if there's any kind of offensive progress at all this week. This is not a good defensive team by any stretch for Purdue, so... It's a team Northwestern should be able to move the ball on and should at least be able to find the end zone once, and we'll just kind of see how it goes. Well, it has been a month, so we would certainly <laughs> welcome that at this point. Dan? Yeah, Dave, thanks again for joining us. Um, I, I don't yeah. even really want to talk about Northwestern Purdue. It's, it's been, as a former player and, and quarterback, it's, it's been a really frustrating season, obviously, and we're almost ready to turn the page. Maybe update us on some of the other you know, large matchups in the Big Ten, you know, specifically Minnesota, Penn State. You know, I think Minnesota's one that's kind of been flying under the radar, and P.J. Flack has, has really been pushing for them to, to be higher ranked, and we'll see as the rankings come out. But it's, it's definitely an intriguing matchup with Minnesota, not having the strongest schedule thus far, but Penn State's you know, a, a real challenger. 
No doubt. I mean, I guess the thing that I would say, Dan, is early in the year, I really had my doubts about Minnesota just because of the narrow margin of their victories against really inferior competition. I mean, I know South Dakota State's a pretty good FCS team, but they easily could have lost that game. Fresno State, they needed kind of a miracle to pull it out, uh, had an incredible drive to force overtime, and you know, Georgia Southern were down in the fourth quarter and figured out a way. So I think kind of all of us were a little suspicious of that 3-0 and start. But since then, they have really played well. And I would say they're getting better and better every week. I mean, as you guys are obviously well aware, there's the old kind of trite expression, you can only play who's on your schedule. But not only have they played, you know, won these games against what is a Big Ten schedule here, although an easier one than most teams have had, but you know, four straight wins in the conference by 20 or more points. First time they've done that since the mid-30s. So I think there is a compelling case to be made that this is a pretty good team. We'll find out this week. I mean, we'll know. If they can move the ball against this Penn State defense, that'd be a really good accomplishment. This is an outstanding B. They're the only team in the nation allowing less than two yards per carry. They've given up nine offensive touchdowns in eight games. So this is going to be a huge test for Minnesota. I think Minnesota is incredibly talented at the skill positions, and we thought that when we were there in camp, they have, I think, a, a, as deep a running back group as anyone in the Big Ten. And they have, I believe, easily two NFL-wide receivers and maybe three NFL-wide receivers. So P.J. Flex done a really nice job. The surprise has been the quarterback position. You know, Zach Anikstead's out with a foot injury. There was some thought maybe he would even be the starter. But Tanner Morgan has stepped in and just been fantastic. He's seventh in the nation in passing efficiency. So I think the big focus is on Minnesota because they are more of the unknown commodity. That being said, Penn State will, you know, certainly is the, the higher ranked team and, and the team that people think has a better shot of making it to the college football playoff. This is a huge test for them. They've been tested in a few games. You know, they let Michigan come all the way back on them. Uh, they had the very tight game with Pitt that came down to the last play. This is a good offense, but it's not always a consistent offense. They, they rely a lot on the big plays. Minnesota doesn't give up a ton of those. So it's going to be really interesting to see how that one plays out in what should be a supercharged atmosphere. Rever, it's uh, officially November. We've already had our first big college football firing in Willie Taggart, which means that inevitably names come up for possible openings. And obviously, when you see what Minnesota's doing this year, that's going to be happening with P.J. Fleck. Now, I, I know there was a report last night that they're already working on an extension with him at Minnesota. Yep. But in your dealings with P.J. Fleck, what kind of sense do you get for his personal ambitions, his commitment to Minnesota, and realistically, you know, beyond what, what his ambitions are, what do you feel like the ceiling is for this program, which, you know, at one time was a great college football program, has really been struggling to get back to kind of where they're at now? Uh, all great questions, Adam. I don't have a great sense of his commitment to Minnesota. I mean, you know, he will tell you it's his dream job, and he grew up in the Midwest, and to be the head coach of a Big Ten program and whatnot. Um, I'm not saying he's not telling the truth. I guess I, I'm just saying he is an ambitious guy, and Minnesota is not the best job in the Big Ten, and, and he doesn't have any natural ties to it. So I think it's fair to wonder you know, whether or not that that's his final destination. My sense is that it isn't. I think the thing that makes P.J. Fleck really interesting, and if you go around their facility, I mean, everyone knows about Row the Boat and all that kind of stuff. The, the, their entire facility is basically branded with all these P.J. Fleck sayings. I mean, he has basically taken his culture 
and put it over the top of this Minnesota program. And they were willing to let him do that. And, and so, you know, I think you need to find a program for him. Like Alabama wouldn't be a fit for P.J. Flack, right? They're not going to say, okay, yeah, come in and tell us about rowing the boat. Like he's not going to replace Nick Saban. I'm not saying he can't adjust. I'm not saying he can't do things differently. But this is kind of who he is. I mean, you know, this notion of having a common language that everyone speaks. I mean, that's a, that's a big part of uh, P.J. Fleck and, you know, kind of uh, having everyone connected, his, his mantras and his belief system. And I guess I just don't think that every program in the country is willing to put up with that. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I just mean that. Will, will the fan base accept it? Will people say, yes, this is kind of what we need? And so I do think that that limits P.J. Black a little bit uh, as to whether or not he'd be a fit at Florida State or you know, if USC were to come open. I, I don't know. I mean, I don't see him at a place like that, but uh, he has done indisputably done a really good job. He's really good at what he does. Uh, it just is a little bit of an acquired taste, and so I don't necessarily think it's the perfect fit everywhere. Hey, real quick, I do to your point. Last year, when we were in Minnesota, uh, when Northwestern played the Gophers, I noticed that when we were walking around TCF Bank Stadium down underneath the tunnel, there was one wall that must have had a hundred oars, like yep. the row of the boat thing, yep. like the entire. And I'm like, man, they're all in on this guy. <laughs> if he leaves, they got a lot of they got a lot of extra boatware. Well, oh, yeah. It would cost it. him yeah. a lot of money to redecorate if he <laughs> departs. But again, like, I think it's worked. One, I think there's a genius to it to a certain extent, which is in any football team and really any institution that you go into that has a lot of different people in it. You are getting people from all kinds of disparate backgrounds, right, who have all kinds of, of different experiences that they bring to this organization. And you're trying to get everyone on the same page. And, and you can roll your eyes and say it's hokey, but one of the ways to do that is to kind of create your own culture and your own language, that everyone knows what everyone else is talking about, that you take people who come from all kinds of different places with all kinds of different experiences and you give them this shared notion. So I get why he does it. And I think it has worked. Again, it is the outward expression of it that, that I think would give some places pause. Perhaps. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, but it is my sense that, that it's that part. I don't think the, in, the inside part is an issue at all. I think that makes all kinds of sense w- when you're going into an organization. I just wonder if every place would want him saying kind of row the boat at the podium and all that kind of stuff. And, and maybe he would change it if, if he went somewhere else. Maybe he does that because he feels like that's what that program needs. But, but he certainly believes in all of those kind of all of these ideas of, you know, make your, make your best better and kind of all these, you know, row the boat and plus three and all this stuff that, that he espouses, he believes it. And, and so, um, you know, I, I think you'd kind of be, almost limiting who he is if you did not let him espouse it publicly. But I think it's going to be fascinating. I, I think he's really happy there. Uh, it, I, you know, he's a Midwest guy. Uh, I know that his wife likes it a lot there. So, I, I mean, I think there's reason to believe he could be there for the long term. But, again, I, I just don't think he is for everyone. Visiting with Dave Revson, lead anchor for Big Ten Network. And uh, before we let you go, uh, we haven't even mentioned Ohio State here. We've talked about a bunch of other programs, including Minnesota, which which to me is the most surprising 
team of the year in terms of winning a lot of games and and putting together a run kind of like what Northwestern had last year. I mean, they've they're on a 10-game winning streak, I believe. They they've put together a very impressive run and whatever the schedule is, those are the teams they've played and they've beaten them all. But Ohio State, Dave, they were in Evanston a few weeks ago. Uh, they have uh, just pounded every team they've played to this point. I know they have Penn State still on their schedule. Obviously, they have Michigan still on their schedule. It's hard for me, uh, having seen them as some on on video and, and also in person that one game, to envision anybody beating this team right now in, in the conference. I, I would think that... Penn State has a has a shot because they seem to have had a shot in the past at them. But uh, do you buy into the idea that this Ohio State team this year is playing at a level above the dominant teams we've seen in the Big Ten in, in recent years? I do, Dave, just because of the level of consistency. I mean, the only way that they would lose is if they did not bring, I almost want to say, their B-plus game. I mean, I don't think they need their A game every single week. They certainly don't need it against Maryland and Rutgers. Might they need it at home against Penn State? Maybe. Uh, they, I think they'll need it at Michigan just because of how charged that atmosphere will be. The issue with Ohio State, as you guys are well aware, in recent years is they haven't always brought that A or B-plus game, and, and they've tripped. I mean, they got beaten at Iowa, which was a, is a very difficult place to play, and got beaten in a night game there a couple of years ago. And then our actually afternoon game, it was the, uh, the night game, that wasn't a night game. I don't know. I can't remember. I my, think it my memory into a night uh, game, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think it was a late afternoon window, yeah. right? And it finished. Uh, yeah, that's what it was. And the Purdue game last year was, was of course, uh, a prime time game. Mm-hmm. Um, and they certainly didn't bring their A game last year. And I think this was a team that was a little more flawed last year. I mean, defensively, they were confused a lot last season. You know, they nearly lost to Maryland. It came down to a two point conversion that the Terps could have converted there. So, uh, to me, you almost throw out last year because I just don't think they were a great defensive team last season. They were really good on offense, certainly in the passing game. But that's the challenge for Ryan Day is can you get this team to bring it every single week? And if they do, again, not necessarily the top of their game, but close to it, I don't see anyone beating them. Uh, if they don't, then, then of course, like anyone else, they could be beaten. Sure. I, I think seeing what we've seen from Michigan these last couple of weeks that leads me to believe that we're going to happen anywhere. It it might happen against mm-hmm. Michigan, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, if if they play their best or close to their best, I, I don't see anyone beating them again until maybe they get to the college football playoff and maybe even there. Yep, I agree. Uh, we're going to see you at Northwestern on Saturday, correct? Yes, yeah, I will be there uh, for BTN tailgate. Really looking forward to it. It's it's always fun to come back to my alma mater and. Jim Phelps has done an incredible job for us. He, he set us up with an unbelievable spot in the West lot last year, and so we would certainly encourage people to come out and, and to watch the show. I know it's not the season that Northwestern fans wish they had had uh, to this point, but uh, but certainly come out and show your enthusiasm for, for the school and for all the great things that have happened here in, in recent years. And, and I think we all certainly believe what Pat Fitzgerald said at his news conference this week, that, that this is an aberration and that things will move forward here. Agreed. And and by the way, it's tough to get in the West lot. So nice going there, getting in there. 
good kudos to Jim for getting you in. Um, we will uh, we'll look forward to seeing you. We'll check that out. Uh, what time do you guys hit the air on Saturday? We are on at 9 a.m. Central Time. Okay. So uh, everyone come by. It's two hours. We, we also are going to have a couple people. Howard's going to go up to Minnesota with Rick Pizzo to kind of experience what's going on. Uh, with that game too, so we'll have kind of dueling sets set up. But our our home base is is at Northwestern. Uh, Coach Donardo and Michelle McMahon and I will be there, and, and Northwestern is kind of the featured stop. But uh, we will have live reporting from Minneapolis as well. All right, sounds good. Have fun out there. Stay warm. We'll uh, stop by and see you. And we always appreciate your time, Dave. All right, my pleasure. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Dan. Thanks, Adam. Take thanks, care, Dave. guys. All right, uh, thanks to Dave. Great to visit with him. Get his perspective on the conference. It just seems like one of those years where what you would have expected in August to happen hasn't. I, right from not only Minnesota, uh, whom we just talked about, but but look at uh, the teams that are at the top. I mean, I don't think people really expected Penn State to get to where they are now. I mean, they're they're a very good team. I think they were expected to have a good year, to be 8-0, uh, like Minnesota. To, uh, to look at Illinois and the success they've had. Uh, I mean, people were talking beginning of the year about uh, this would be it for Lovey Smith, and, and here they are, one win away from a bowl game. And then you look at the flip side, Nebraska, people had them in the playoff, and, and they're, they're struggling too. They, they've lost four out of six in Big Ten play. So it's just been that kind of a year where not only have you had some teams achieve greater than expected, but you've had some teams that have not lived up to the billing, like Northwestern, like uh, you know some of the others that have struggled, Nebraska, uh, Purdue, another example. Injuries have something to do with it, but it's not all injuries. Well, that's what, what makes college football fun at the end of the mm-hmm. day, too. Oh, you sure. have a, a lot of prognosticators at the beginning of the season kind of reading the tea leaves and saying, all right, well, because North, or Nebraska finished strong last year and because Adrian Martinez you know, had a really good a talent filled year, not necessarily the best statistical year, his freshman year, that he's going to continue and improve. And you can't take those things for granted and, and just think that they're going to continue to happen. As, as, as we know, sophomore slumps happen and, and injuries happen and, and balls don't bounce your way in, in the case of Northwestern. So I think it's been a, a, a really fun year. You kind of knew Ohio State was going to be very talented just because of who they are. Michigan has been up and down. Um, and, and Penn State, they, they're starting to get, you know, with Coach Franklin and his recruiting pipeline starting to reload like in Ohio State. So, you know, I think at the top, it's, it's similar outside of Michigan. Um, but like you said, Minnesota and Dave talked about it. Just a really interesting year. You know, they started similar. To, what, to the way they started last year with a couple close wins against some some sub-bar teams, but they've really just blown the doors off the, the middle-of-the-road Big Ten teams, and I think they're really looking forward to just show how how good they are against Penn State, and it's a showcase for them, and congrats to, to Coach Flack. Hopefully he ends up staying at, at Minnesota um, for the long term, and Dave had some, some really great points about just the way he puts his imprint on programs and how you know some pr- programs are ripe for that and others just have their own tradition that, that you can't really change. They do have a tough final month of the season with Penn State. Then they go to Iowa. Then they come to Evanston to play Northwestern, uh, which right now looks like the easiest of the games uh, they're facing down the stretch. And then they play Wisconsin uh, in the last game of the year. So uh, we'll they, shot. <laughs> they, they control their destiny, you know, and they're, right. they're kind of the same situation. I won't say the same boat. But the same right. situation oh, the Wildcats were in uh, this time last year as they got into November. So, again, Saturday, Purdue at uh, Ryan Field, 11 o'clock kickoff. 
Uh, we'll be on the air at 10.30 on WGNRadio.com. We hope to see you out there or uh, tune in via WGNRadio.com, the WGN Radio app. Tune in however you choose to listen. And uh, hopefully it won't snow. It'll be a good day and a good football game there. And we will do this again next week. Many thanks to Adam Hogue. Thanks to our producer, Curtis Koch. Thanks to Dave Refson for stopping by. For Dan Persa, this is Dave Ennett. You've been listening to Collegiately Speaking. We'll talk to you again next week from WGN Week from WGN.